0: educated one in our family. Um, I tell my kids, I said, you got your uh, looks from your mama, but your smarts from your daddy. And they always say it backwards, so they got their looks from me. I always like to tell them, summa cum laude, thank you, Lord. Yes, glad to be out of school. But uh, I wanted her to be able to minister this morning, and this is only the third time. I think so. 12, 13 years here in this building. So um, I just want y'all to honor her as she brings forth what she believes the Lord has laid on her heart this morning for us. Well, fix me, my, anything else? Any s- strings? And you're a mama. Okay. Yep, yes, you are. <laughs> would you bless her this morning? <laughs> Thank you.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Can everybody hear me? Am I good? Josh is taking good care of me up there. I have to say that I was very inhibited in worship today because i wasn 't sure if my mic was muted or not, and that is one of those things. I love to sing very loud, but i don 't sing very well, and so I was a little paranoid that like Josh was having to like seriously mute me in the back because you know Ben would be like, "What is that noise?" you know so not my gift although i do believe in making a joyful noise under the lord and he he is more um looking at my heart in worship and then my voice and my vocal stylings so um, John calls it my Lance the Turtle voice from the VeggieTales song. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, but my name is Kelly Wood. Um, I have the privilege of being married to John Wood. In fact, that is the way out in public that when people look at me kind of quizzically, that that is the thing that they are thinking when they're like, aren't you? And I just fall, John Wood's wife yes, I'm John Wood's wife, because they're like, I can't quite place you, but I know that I know you or I've seen you before. So yes, I am John Wood's wife. I also have that distinction that other mothers have. I have ceased to be myself. I'm now the mother to Olivia and Isabel and Elisha Wood. They are going on seven and going on five. They are 23 months apart between (laughs) the, the twin girls and the little boys. So we had some serious crazy there for a while. And, um, it's gotten a little bit better, but then, you know, we still have summer ahead of us. So how many parents can relate with me that we still have a lot of crazy left to go and sibling fighting? Um, but I've had a great Mother's Day so far. Of course, my mom typically um, helps the kids when it comes to, like, Mother's Day cards and things like that for me. So Izzy, being true to pattern, gave me hers the instant that she made it for me. Because she can't wait. She had to give it to me yesterday. She was very proud and wanted to show it right away. Olivia would wait. And I knew this when she woke up this morning. That um, she had hidden it under my pillow. And then when I got up and I was drinking my coffee. The very second that she came downstairs. She went instantly to get it. And brought it to me. And I just knew that she would do that because that's just Olivia. She's so very gracious and thoughtful and um, she's just got that very tender heart. Um, and I love how they're all so unique. Elisha brushed his teeth for me this morning. <laughs> and <laughs> he walks up to me and he's like, Mom. Mom. I brushed my teeth by myself, and I'm like, "Thank you, baby. That is so wonderful. I didn't have to tell you ten times." He also brushed his hair by himself, but we had to fix that. So, um, <laughs> you know, so it's been a great Mother's Day. Here is um, here's my special card from Olivia. I wanted to bring it up. It's it's multi-page, and we staped stapled it in an area that we couldn't necessarily read it, but in each page has a picture of she and I together. And in some of them, I have a bow in my hair. So anyway, it's very pretty. And I'm very grateful. And Mother's Day is a great gift for me. Um, so I'm going to pray for us first, because here's what I know. Um, I have been in church for a long time, and I've watched a whole bunch of sermons. I've listened to a lot of really gifted speakers, and I hate to tell you today, the gifted speaker part is not necessarily the one that I have, so today's going to be a lot more like a conversation, except don't talk back to me because that will mess me up. But um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> um, it will be more conversational, albeit one-sided. Um, but here's what I know, that no matter somebody's giftedness or lack thereof, the thing that is the most most important um, is God's anointing on something, and if he has picked something to convey a message, then it has the power to change lives and do the important things. It has the ability to communicate truth. Um, even if the speaker doesn't get it right. So that has been my prayer all week is, Lord, I just want your anointing. Please, Lord, just your anointing. So I'm going to pray again for that. If y'all would join with me. You saw John pray for me twice up here. So we're going to need some extra. Um, Anyway, Lord God, I just thank you. And I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. I just have been saying that for the past several days. God, I love you so much. And you are my most favorite, God. And Lord, I just thank you for picking me, and I'm trusting today that it was your idea um, for this message, Lord, and not just my own. And Lord, I am just asking um, that the Holy Spirit, the instructor, the teacher, the counselor, the one who teaches us in all truth, um, would come and teach us, Lord God. Teach me as I'm speaking, Lord. Give me great liberty in talking today, and um I just pray that your truth would always be so present that we would not deviate from that, Lord. And um, Lord, we just love you today. Let today be a blessing from you for those who are hearing it today. And we just thank you and we count it done in the mighty and perfect name of your Son and our only Savior and the only way, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so today is Mother's Day. So we're going to be kind of woman-centered today. Sorry, guys. But, you know, there's football season and things like that that we occasionally have to endure. So you can be okay for 30-plus minutes, and maybe you'll glean something, too. But this is kind of like a woman-centered message. I'm not saying that it's a mother-centered message. And the reason for that is because, you know, that's not where we all are. I will talk about that a lot today. But, um, but I acknowledge the fact that we're all in different places and our journey, and God has a plan for all of us. Um, And so I just kind of want to speak in general terms, you know, to the women today. So today we are going to talk about the plan. Notice my little quotation marks, the plan. Um, I read someplace in a study one time that the difference between men and women, one of the differences is that um, men tend to be more content if the future Excuse me, if the present is settled, if things are okay right now and there's no like trauma and things are peaceful and good and stuff, they tend to be the happiest if the right now is good. And women tend to be more settled and happy and confident if they know that the future is settled you kind of see this in dating relationships a lot where like girls kind of can't let go of the fact like where's this going you know what's going to happen here I mean I'm sure you can kind of relate and the guy's just like can't we just enjoy the right now um so we're different in that way so women tend to be more like if I know that everything is going to be okay in the future I can be okay today so that's kind of where I came up with the idea um of the plan um so, number one, I'm going to group it into three categories, and one of which, the first one, is those of us who are waiting on the plan. So, the first category of people are the people who are waiting on the plan. So, here's our first question with this Is there actually a plan? or have we missed it? You know That tends to be our most frequent question while we are waiting on the Lord, while we're waiting for what the plan is, because things tend to stretch out for a long enough period of time that we start to doubt that there maybe is a plan. I don't know about you, but none of the plans to date that God has had for my life ever happened instantly. Um, It was usually a seed of something that was planted in my heart, and we all know Seeds take a long time and nourishment and care to grow. Um, so I've never really experienced God planting something in my heart, a desire, um, a wish, um, a calling, or anything like that that's happened right away. So in the waiting for whatever the plan is, it could be marriage, you know, but not all of us are called to marriage. It could be motherhood, um, but not all of us are, are able to be mothers, um, it just could be your ministry your calling your purpose in this life we all have that no matter what but when it seems like it is slow in coming we tend to wait i mean we tend to doubt you know is there a plan have we missed it was the plan way back there you know like before we had gps and you're like um relying on those printed out um directions and like all of a sudden, it's not entirely clear if you took the right turn or not. And so you spend the next 30 minutes praying, that God, please don't let me have missed the exit. Please don't let me have missed the exit. And now we have the GPS that will tell us the recalculating or our phone that is sometimes right, unless you come out to our house, because then it's never right. But, um, but you know, we wonder, did we miss it? You know, was that one opportunity way back there, was that the thing? You know, um, I have a funny story. Um, some of you guys may remember Lauren Thomas. She um, led worship here with Ben and was on our worship team for a long time. She is just so amazing. I've known her for so many years. I love her so much. And she went with Drew and Kim to help start Radiant. She's their worship leader. Um, I love her heart. I love her heart for the Lord. Um, and like I said, we've known each other many years. But I remember when she was pregnant with her first child, Abby. And um, it was during a season for me where I was sing- still single, still waiting on God's best for me, and I remember, <laughs> I remember hearing her say it was like really close to the due date or something. Or it just, you know, she's a little girl, but she was like out to here, just totally baby, and she just, just kind of went like, I just, it just won't come. I mean, am I even pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> And I have not born a child in my own body, but those of you who have experienced that can probably relate, that here you are out to here, but it still hasn't come yet. And I just thought about how crazy that sounded for her to be as pregnant as she was and to say, am I even pregnant or is this just a mean joke or something? You know, is this baby ever going to come? But I could relate And the Lord ministered to me through her saying that because I knew that I had been waiting on him. And waiting will cause us to deny the things that we know to be true. Um, I wrote here, waiting can cause you to question the undeniable thing. Um, For me, you know, the Lord had never told me, he'd never given me a word that, oh, you're going to be married, you know, Oh, you're going to have babies. It was just a desire of my heart. And so I would just lean on who God was. Um, and the scripture says, you know, to delight ourselves in the Lord and he'll give us the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean that I'll always get everything that I want, but it does mean that the God who loves me knows what the desire is. And I can trust in his character and who he is as I'm waiting. But Waiting on Him can cause us to question the undeniable. Is God faithful, and will He keep His promises? Um, as a single woman, my most frequent prayer was, "God, please don't let me settle for anything less than your best for me." Um, I prayed that particular prayer because I knew that if the choice were left up to me, that I would settle um, when things got hard or times were bleak, there didn't appear to be anything on the horizon, I knew that me and my character, or my weakness of character, I should say, that I would choose what the easiest path was and not necessarily the best one. Um, I knew that I would choose the thing, if left to my own devices, that was mostly right. You know, um, I, think, I think we all do that. And I know the Lord prompted me to pray that. So he was very faithful to answer that prayer. Um, often I would wonder if I hadn't, uh, prayed myself into a corner. Have you ever felt that way before? Like, I see the little cartoon, um, of the man, the painter who's painted the entire floor around him and you just see him kind of huddled in this little corner and he can't move because he's backed himself into a corner. Well, that's kind of how I felt. Um, I wondered if I'd prayed myself into a corner, um, If you find yourself today identifying with what I've just said, I want to let you know you have prayed yourself into a corner. It is as narrow as you think it is. But be glad. We often hear John say that narrow paths lead to very specific destinations. And he got that from me by the way. That's not him. That was me. I said that. I said it the first time. He stole it from me. I just want to make that clear. I said it first. I have the video footage that show anyway. So narrow pathways lead to very specific destinations. And they do. Um, they really, really, really do. Be glad for the narrowness of the path as you're following the Lord. Um, be glad for it. It is going to lead you to exactly what he has planned for you. And I'm telling you it surpasses anything that you could ever hope or think. So if you're waiting for God's best plan for you, whatever that may be, I have two things that I want you to write down. So for my note takers, these are two things for you to write down if you're waiting for God's best plan for you. Number one, if you have to push it is probably not his plan. That doesn't mean that we don't have to persevere and endure, but if we have to push, if it requires manipulation on your part to accomplish it or move it along, you can be pretty sure that that is not God's plan. Or at least for right now. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And that's John's line. I stole that from him. So, but it's the thing that's kind of carried me for years. It's a good tool to evaluate. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Um, he does, God does not need our help to accomplish his plan for us. He only really needs our obedience to his voice. Um, I'll say that again. If the plan you're looking for requires you to maneuver or manipulate to achieve or obtain it, it's probably not his plan. Um, There are examples of this in Scripture. The most notable and easily that comes to mind is Abraham and the birth of Ishmael. I mean, we all know the story that God promised Abraham a son, but he promised it, you know... He was married to Sarah. Well, here we go years and years, and the plan hasn't come about, the God's promise. And so then you have Sarah who decides to get involved and help with the issue and tell him, well, sleep with my servant Hagar, and I'll claim whatever child she has. Well, we all know that that blows up terribly in her face, and Ishmael is born. And to this day, to this day, the consequences of that Thing that's birthed outside of God's will is affecting all of the world. It's the greatest sermon illustration <laughs> that there is is that when we try to push or maneuver or do something outside of God's plan that it is going to not work well and it may have disastrous consequences. So we've got that. You know, Ishmael's are obvious. Um, you know, we've got another story that people probably don't talk about as much, but in Genesis 24, you have... Isaac and Rebecca's love story. So this is the promised son, Isaac, from Abraham. Laughter is what his name means. And when it comes time for him to find a wife, um, Abraham tells his servant to go to his homeland, to never allow his son to go back to his homeland, but to go back there to find a wife from amongst his people. Um, his father's people. And so there's this awesome and miraculous story that can only be God. And I just encourage you to read it in Genesis 24, where the Lord has gone ahead of his servant and has prepared this wife for him perfectly. Um, So you've got that and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful story. But um, then sin enters in to that wonderful story we see just a few chapters later in Genesis 27 where um, Rebecca has waited Um, the scripture says that they married when Isaac was 40 and the twins weren't born until um, Isaac was 60 so John's got 10 years past you Uh, but the twins were not born until Isaac was 60 and that that Isaac fervently prayed for Rebecca to have children and that there was such contention when she finally conceived so much going on, you know, they didn't have sonograms then, they didn't know that there were twins, that they went before the Lord and they said, you know, what's going on here with this pregnancy? You know, and he, the Lord said that, you know, there'll be two sons, you know, and one will be greater. You know, one will be a servant to the other. The, the, essentially, the older would be the servant to the younger. And sure enough, when the children were born, Esau came first, and Jacob was born grasping Esau's heel. Um, and we can say a lot about Jacob, but, you know, when time came and Jacob stole the birthright, and um, Jacob stole the birthright, and then after he, well, Esau sold his birthright for nothing, and then when it came time to receive the father's blessing, um, you've got Jacob has his mother working with him. And I have to believe she was a very willing participant because that was her favorite child, who is maneuvering with Jacob to essentially steal the father's blessing. Now, God had already said that Esau would be the servant to Jacob and Jacob would end up being the first. And, he, you know, G, uh, Jacob, have I loved Esau, have I hated um, However, we just don't know how things would have turned out. God's word would have surely come forth, but how much help did he really need from Rebecca to do that? Um, You just have to imagine. I'd imagine their family was pretty fractured after that. You know, already was. But, you know, when sin enters in, it clouds everything. Um, It changes everything. It's manipulation. Um, You know, the Bible compares manipulation to the sin of witchcraft. So that's just something that we have to consider. Um, So I said number one, if we have to push, it's not his plan. And number two, God's plan for your life will never stray from or contradict his written word. So God's plan for your life will never stray from or contradict his written word. If it violates God's written word, you can be sure that it is not the plan. If it violates God's word, it is sin. It was sin 20 years ago. It was sin 100 years ago. It was sin when God said it was sin, and it's sin today. And that applies, you know, for everything in our lives. If we are doing anything that violates God's holy word, you know, that is sin. Um, So if it violates God's word, it's sin. And this is another thing to consider if we are making sinful choices, and this is where I, I'll just be very frank, if we have that boyfriend, if we're a single woman, or if we um, have been married before, you know, and we're pursuing a relationship, you know, we're divorced and pursuing a relationship. God's um, standard for holy living and courtship has never changed, even if you're a grown-up. You know, you're still held to it. It's not just the rule or law for 14-year-olds. But if we have sin in our relationships, it's going to obscure and distort it. Um, It opens the door for the deceiver to come in with a counterfeit message, we have a deceiver who is consistently trying to derail us from God's perfect plan for our life. And when we have sin in our lives, it's opening up that door for us to hear something completely different that is not from the Lord. And we can't discern, we can't discern that it's the wrong voice because we're in rebellion. John ten twenty seven says in the King James Version that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. When we are his sheep, you know, when we are following God's word, we will, we will know his voice and follow him. But if we have sin in our lives, we've distorted the channel. It's like two or three <laughs> or maybe five steps off on the radio frequency, you know, when you can kind of hear it, you know, but not. Um, it's going to distort that message. You might hear two different messages. Um, God keeps his best from us when we're living contrary to his word. I don't know if your current situation is God's plan for you or not, but I can tell you from experience that you will never know for sure until you repent of your sin and turn towards God. We cannot ignore the Word of God and think that He will bless us. I spoke earlier about the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Well, the wrong thing at any time is the wrong thing. (laughs) You can be sure of that. Ravi Zacharias, um, I love listening to him. I have to, like, uh, not rewind, but I have to skip back on his messages a lot because a lot of times what he says is so very profound that I just have to really hear it a couple times to digest it. Same way with Oswald Chambers and speakers like that. I just really have to concentrate on what it is because it's so profound. Um, He said, All pleasure costs. For legitimate pleasure, we pay before And for illegitimate pleasure, you pay after. Everything costs. And for the things that are right and good, we will pay ahead of time. We will lose. You know, sanctification isn't easy. Um, It will be difficult. But that pleasure afterwards that we we receive um, will have been paid for ahead of time versus when we uh, run ahead of God, we completely ignore His Word, I mean, there's going to be a a price to pay for that. Um, God is a holy God, and he wants us, his children, to be holy. And how can can trusting God for his best and compromising the truth walk together? If we're trusting his nature and who he is, but yet we're compromising and just kind of, I'm going to skim on this part that you say, how do we think that those two things can walk together? I mean, they can't. So... That's the end. So if you're waiting for the plan, that's my section that's for you. Um, I'm going to call this next part when you're living the plan. And I am going to speak more about motherhood here just because that's the part that I am kind of just in right now. I'm very grateful to be in it. Um, That was not something that I could have obtained on my own. And um, the Lord was so gracious to me and gave me his perfect plan for me in Olivia and Isabel and Elisha. And whoever else comes along, um, he is, uh, <laughs> whoever else comes along, however many they are, um, <laughs> we just, um, but, <laughs> like, oh, Lord, you? <laughs> just now I said it out loud, so, uh, anyway, but when we're walking in our calling, so y'all just totally delete that back portion. Um, so in my story, I will call this walking in the plan, because as long as I can ever remember I wanted to be a mom my mom is a fantastic mom we are very close she's the best ever um i will fight you if you say that she's not um she is the best and she feels the same way about me i mean mama bear may have been originated with her so and then she passed that down um but she was always just the best mom um she raised us during difficulty um she had a very difficult marriage and then there is a long period of time where she raised us as a single mother and she was everything that was good about my childhood came from her no matter how much she had to work or anything like that I mean and she was the sole support for us she never missed anything I mean and when my parents were still married but still she was still kind of a single parent although still married um, she was my vacation Bible school teacher. She was my Sunday school teacher. She was my GA's leader. She was my Girl Scout troop leader. She was my headroom mother. She was all of these things. Um, she was just going to be with us, um, and it didn't matter. And then after, you know, she was a single parent, I can't remember a thing that she missed. My sister played softball, and I very much remember, no matter what, she was at Everything that she could be at. You know, for my sister, we've got about eight years difference between us. So my mom is just amazing, and she taught me how to be a mom. There's an effortless, not effortless. I take that back. There's a part to me that I just kind of instinctively know what to do because I just copy everything that she did, and I know most of you all can agree with me. I'm looking at Ashley and, and Michelle. You just you just copy what they did. You know, it's, that's easy, and you don't generally have conflicts grandparent wise because you're just doing everything that she taught you to do. So there's no war or fighting or mom, I wish you wouldn't do that. It's like, nope, we're on the same page. We're on the same team. Um, But you know, one of the things that God just birthed that desire to be a mother in me was when my sister Rebecca was born. I was seven and a half years older than her. I say seven and a half now that I'm 41, because it makes it seem like the gap isn't so bad. (laughs) We always used to say eight, now it's seven and a half. Um, But it was her being born. Oh, that just did something in me. She was my baby. I woke up in the middle of the night to take care of her and change her diaper. I knew how to warm up her bottle. I knew how to test it on my arm. And then I handed it off, handed her off to my dad and went to bed. She was, she was my baby. That just ignited the fire in me that I so wanted to be a mom. Um, but, you know, there are challenges that we face as being a mom. Um, so there are truths about being a mom. It's balanced. There are things that we are responsible for, and there are things that we are not responsible for in this part of the plan. As a mother, I'm irreplaceable. Um, I'm irreplaceable. I have the chance to minister. I'm so glad with this ministry for, um, foster boys. is called Spurs of Hope. We teach them kind of horsemanship skills and it's so awesome. These boys are very special. Uh, they are part of the Georgia Industrial Children's Home and, and some of them have reunification plans with their family and then some of them don't. Um, but at the end, after our Bible study, every time we have a time of prayer and get their prayer requests and yesterday I was very struck by the fact that one of the boys was sharing that, um, you know, His parents' time to finish their part of the plan was going to be expiring soon. And so his prayer is that they would be able to finish, you know, what the court required for them to be able to go back to their family. And I heard him say, I don't care which house I go to. I just want to go home. And children have this deep affection for their mother even when we've made terrible mistakes. Um, when John and I took some foster parenting classes, one of the things that you learned is that the mother is supposed to be the protector of the child, but that even, even when the situation is very bad and harmful to a child, they, they defend their mother, they want their mother, their mother is very significant to them you know, and they they tend to overlook and forgive all the bad things that have happened. They just want to go home. And another precious boy's prayer request, he said, well, I'm supposed to be adopted next month, but I'm really hoping that I'll be able to be adopted sooner. And I'm sitting behind them, I'm like, stop crying, stop crying, don't cry in front of the kids, it's okay, you know, but I just heard those boys' heart that they just want a family, you know, and mothers are kind of like the, that's our significance is that we are kind of the nurturers and the ones who, you know, keep together the family. We're the relational part. Um, as a mother, I'm necessary. Um, just try and put my children to bed without me. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you know, they all of a sudden act like daddy can't put them to bed at all. They won't go to sleep if I'm not there, you know. Um, even if he's tucked them in, daddy daddy apparently just doesn't do it right. They, he's the best dad ever, but mama has to put him to bed. Um, Motherhood is not always neat and tidy. Um, and sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the simple facts. Love is a choice and not a feeling. Um, just really briefly, I'll just say, in case this helps any other mother out there, um, the girls are so significant to me because they were the tool that the Lord used to heal my broken heart. I had never lost a pregnancy um, we just weren't able to get pregnant. And there was just a, a deep grief and a loss at that. And I was so brokenhearted about this thing that had never happened. And um, when they came, I always tell them the Lord had to send two of them because the hole in Mommy's heart was so big. And um, it just it just healed me. And they have a significance to me because they were the tool that God used to heal me. And I'm sure you moms can relate if you have lost a baby um, in the pregnancy stages. The baby that comes afterwards has a very special significance to you, you know, because it's it's the healing for you. Um, but when Elisha was born, first of all, I prayed very much. I wanted to have another child so much, and I knew that this was God's plan whenever the pr- opportunity presented itself to us. But he... Um, after he was born, there was a great deal of difficulty. First of all, you have three children, and there's a 23-month 23-month gap. So, um, But also, he, very shortly after being born, started to exhibit some kind of problems that we had no idea what was going on. And the, the um, pediatrician said, I'm not an alarmist, but you've got to go to the hospital right away. He coded that night. Um, They did all these tests that, you know, and because we didn't have a lot of birth history, we couldn't determine what was wrong. So he was pretty much near death in the NICU, you know, of the children's hospital for a long time until they finally figured out what was going on with him and praise the Lord. It was something that could be very easily fixed and they were able to fix other things when they found that. So I just thank the Lord that he revealed all of that. Um, But because of that, We had a very hard time bonding, and that makes you feel terrible as a mother. And they don't tell you that sometimes. Even, you know, sometimes it can be postpartum depression. Sometimes it can just be that you're so sleep-deprived and overwhelmed. But for me, it was, we had to wait, you know, for days to pass before, you know, a birth mother could rescind, you know, her right to, excuse me, uh, rescind the adoption, her signature. We had that. And then he was in the hospital for several weeks, and it was just It was so hard, and I was doubting myself, and I didn't want to tell anybody, and I was just having such a very hard time. But when I looked at him, I would look at this little baby, and I was like, but I am his mother. He is depending on me. I am his advocate. You know, I am his mother. And it wasn't so so much this overwhelming, gushy feeling. It was a fierce choice that that is my son and there are no take backs. That is my baby. I'm his mother. And um, so in that way, that's how I want to say to you, it doesn't always feel the same all the time. You know, sometimes the decisions that we have to make in motherhood, no matter what age they are, we don't always feel the good way. But love is a choice. Feelings will ebb and flow. Um, of course, that is my baby boy, and I absolutely adore everything. I was like, how's my sweetest boy in the whole world? That's what I tell him when we wake up in the morning. So he's a little ruined. But, <laughs> you know, John's like, aw. <laughs> you know, but he's my sweetest boy in the whole world. But we don't always have the feelings, you know. Um, we, have to, we have to wait for the Lord. We have to know that we're in the plan and that we're walking in it. Um, it's a choice. Um, our children don't belong to us, and no matter how much we love them, we cannot nor will we ever be their savior. As great as my mom was, and as wonderful as that childhood as she provided for me, she could never save me. She just never could. Um, she does not have the ability. New life and being born again doesn't come from our family. We can do our best to raise somebody, but salvation is a supernatural new birth that is completely dependent. It's the authored. Kept and finished by Jesus Christ and Christ alone, and um, while, like I said, we can help with it, we cannot um, we cannot create it. We're responsible to our children, but we are not uh, but not for our children. Um, John always says that as parents, we put so much pressure on ourselves, but in the Garden of Eden, God created the perfect environment where everything was perfect, and there was no ought, and there was no sin, and we still chose to believe a lie and rebel against Him. So, we just... We can res- we're responsible to our children, but not for them. We're not responsible for their sanctification. That's, that's them. We can't create that for them or their success, and the outcome of their lives is not up to us. And motherhood costs us. Any plan that we live out costs us. Sometimes we have to finance grief as a part of the joy. Um, I already mentioned my children were adopted as infants, But the truth is, they've experienced great loss in their life, and that was very hard for me to hear at first, because I wanted to believe that their lives were so idyllic that the loss of their first family was a non-issue. So, oh, they were just babies, that doesn't matter, but the truth is, um, or I thought it was something that happened to other adopted children and not mine, you know, because mine are a miracle, you know, there's no loss or grief or anything, this is God's perfect plan, but the truth is, they have experienced loss. Um... I don't know how they will process adoption in their little hearts as they grow up. And one thing I can trust, though, is that there's not a hole in our hearts that Christ cannot fill. And I thank the Lord sometimes for the void that we have in our lives because it's the thing that pulls us towards Him. It's the thing that makes us recognize our need for Him. Um, And we're blessed because of that. Um, And finally... You know, motherhood not being entirely on us. I wonder sometimes the glory that could be seen in my motherhood if I would just give up my ideas and surrender to Christ's plan. On a one scale, as Pinterest moms, And as just Facebook moms and things like that, there's this serious competitiveness. Or there's this serious, there are 10 million articles telling us how to be balanced and how to raise our children and how to do all these things. And we just get so very consumed in that and we try and be a mom in our own strength and according to our own idea. But I wonder sometimes, and I do this sometimes and then I pick it back up again, but that if I just let go and said, all right, for this day, Lord... You are going to teach me and guide me in the way that I should raise my children. And you're going to give me the perfect knowledge in what to do and help them. Um, my friend Beth Guest has shared a story with me before about a time that she kind of had an outburst and was disrespectful to her mom. But the Holy Spirit intervened in that moment and told her mom to treat her gently instead of, um, instead of disciplining her like she deserved. And just the Spirit-led parenting You know, God is so very aware of um, what's going on in their hearts, and he will give us the capacity to minister to them if we will just submit and surrender to him. But it also means that we do a little bit less. We don't always get our idea, and we have to say no to some things. Um, We don't get to do the things that other parents want to do. But I just think that's parenting for God's glory, you know, when we just submit to his plan for us. So lastly, and because we don't have very much time, um, the last part, the last group of people that I just want to talk to today very briefly is what I call the post plan. Now let me explain that because that's not entirely accurate. There is not ever a time outside of God's plan. Um, He has the whole plan. Um, But what I'm talking about is the end of a season or the end of a chapter. Chapter. We all have had those where um, the chapter closes when we're forced into a new normal. You know, jokingly, we say that when the kids came, that John and I's dating chapter effectively ended. <laughs> you know, that chapter was done. You know, We were married for three years, and then the babies came, and dating was like bye-bye. And for us, like, just being able to have a car ride for 20 minutes, you know, it's like, oh! <gasps> we just got to ride in the car for 20 minutes by ourselves. It's like unchaperoned, you know, like, what do we do? You know, it's just, I really like you. Oh my gosh, is that what you've been thinking lately? You know, just, we actually get to talk about things that aren't like, did the kids live today? Is everybody okay? Did anybody have to go to the hospital? Okay, good, we're good. I'm going to go to bed. I'll see you later. Um, But that dating chapter for us, that newlywed chapter for us effectively ended in the entrance of children, but it was a wonderful thing. You know, it was just different um it wasn't bad it was just different we had to learn to live with a new normal but for other people today today is painful because the new chapter is painful Um, every day in the new chapter may be painful but today is usually especially painful um i have a couple of friends who um have lost their mothers this year. Um, Their irreplaceable person, their mom. Um, Maybe you grieve for the life that you could have had where the door is closed now. Maybe you're beginning to walk in a new chapter of being a single mother for the first time. Maybe you have buried your child Or maybe it's just your fifth Mother's Day without a child, and you're wondering if it'll ever change. It's the grief that we bear every day, but it seems especially hard on Mother's Day. And the truth is, is that everything changes, and we just don't know if things change suddenly or gradually, positively or negatively. So there's change always. It's just if it comes fast or slow, or if it's good or bad. So everything's always changing. My mother-in-law, Sandra, is a wonderful woman, and I'm just so grateful for her. I really, truly have the best mother-in-law that there is. I love you very much. I'm so very grateful for you in so many ways. And I think about her story sometimes because married to the love of her life, four beautiful children. Two of them are preteens, and one is kindergarten age and one's just one years old and your husband goes to be with the Lord and you are left alone and everything that you have known it up to date has completely and utterly shattered and the pieces cannot be put back together again. And so you've loved the Lord your entire life and you trust in Him, but you are in this the middle of this shattering new normal. And things would have moments of being good but then normal is just forever changed. And you find yourself wanting to scurry back to create normal again, and you just can't, and you don't have the pieces. And I think about her, you know, the terror that you have to like be a single mother and everything that you've known it has changed. And um, I just, I've seen so many ways God has been so faithful. You know, in the midst of us not having the pieces or the capacity, she still knew who she could trust in, um, even though that didn't always feel very good. And I'm sure that she experienced a great amount of time of being very angry and hurt and sad with the Lord. But the Lord was faithful to her in raising her children, even when she wasn't enough. I mean, we just, all of our strengths are going to fail us one day. And that's kind of God's gift to us, that he lets us our strengths run out because he, then he shows us that he's the one who comes in and he is our strength and he cares so much more about our children than we ever could. So that reminds me of second Corinthians nine, eight through nine. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in things at all, in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. There's this good video, it's on Facebook, you can look it up, it's on John's page, I sent it to a friend this week, or a couple weeks ago, it's talking about grief, and how grief completely changes us, and we don't move on from grief, but it transforms us in the same way that joy does. It is just who we are that calls grief a chronic condition, I've probably never heard it called anything better, but it is walking forward in the new normal, um... And she, she speaks about this in a very uh, humanist or secular way. She doesn't mention the Lord or his ability to transform. Um, but I just, grief does transform us, the new normal. You know, we just have to walk forward in it. It's part of us always. And even as we walk into the new joys in life, that's still part of us. It is it, it partially defines us. Um, You know, the one thing that she misses when she says that, though, is that life in and of itself doesn't have that ability to transform us. You know, we all can point to people in our lives who've been shattered by grief and have never recovered from it, and you can never say that anything good came out of it. You know, she has a very positive approach about, like, you know, she's done a lot of self-work and self-healing and stuff. But we as Christians, the difference for us is that we have the great hope as Christ followers, we are not depending on our own ability to recover or transform, but we have the great hope. Christ is triumphant. Um, last page here. Isaiah 61, one through three says, "'The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me "'because the Lord hath anointed me "'to preach good tidings unto the meek. "'He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, "'to proclaim liberty to the captives "'and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, "'to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord "'and the day of vengeance of our God, "'to comfort all that mourn, "'to point unto them that mourn in Zion, "'to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. We can trust God in all of our brokenness. He is our great hope that He will be glorified through us in the transformation of us. Psalms 126, 4 through 6 says he that goes forth and weeps bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing all of his sheath- sheaves with them so finally in the end no matter what stage we find ourselves in we find that it's all the plan the waiting for the plan the living in the plan and the changing of the chapter is it's all the plan It's all in the hands of the master. It's all in the hands of the creator. We can trust the author. Um, The waiting, the walking in it, the chapter closing as Christ followers, we have the deep assurance that everything is working together in the plan. Some chapters in our life pick up where the last one left off. Some start totally new from a a new vantage point. But they're all in the same book. The plan is in the master's hand and there's really no better hands for it to rest in. So the thing I want to leave you today is wherever you find yourself in the plan, trust the one who made the plan. He loves you with an everlasting love and he's always going to have the plan firmly in his hand. So now I want to ask John if he'll come up and close us out in this service. Thanks for giving me the chance to talk to you guys today.
0: (laughs) Right before we go home, let me tell you the power of God's word. Not just the written word, but when we speak his intentions, his heart, Uh, When a person speaks, it's not equivalent to scripture, but God speaks through people. And there are people here today that are wondering, what are the pieces? Will the pieces ever come together? And the verse where God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Always point to an expected end. Just because you don't see the plan doesn't mean there's not a plan. And just because you don't see God working the plan doesn't mean that God's not working the plan. And just because you don't see how He can finish it doesn't mean that He doesn't have the capacity and the power to finish that which He started. Because He that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And those in the middle of the plan, weariness is your middle name. I bought Kelly a shirt. Uh, I thought it was so cute. You know, the Gap shirt? But it says NAP across the front. NAP. In the middle of the plan. In the middle years. The sluggish years of motherhood. The sluggish years of marriage. The sluggish years of responsibility. Be faithful. Be consistent. One of my favorite verses is God pities our frame. He knows our weaknesses and our shortcomings, shortcomings. Moreover, it's required of a steward of God to be found faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. Hand to the plow. Eyes on the prize. And finally, to those that are hurting, I'm just summarizing what Kelly had shared. It's hard when a chapter closes and you don't see it continuing the chapter break is so profound when that baby's lost when that husband walks out or dies when the break is so profound that you just stand in the middle of your no answers but I declare unto you based on God's word that there's a hand over your life with a pen in it and he Before He formed you, He knew you. And that pen never stops writing on the paper. And once God speaks it, this is a new day. That day starts right then. This is where healing begins. That's where healing begins. When He declares the old chapter is closed with all of its sorrows and all of its joys we can't ever believe that tomorrow can be better than today but God has a way of weaving the fabric of all of our losses our questions, our unanswered prayers and he weaves it all together for good and he remains faithful I trust you were encouraged today by the word of God and the word of a mom so wherever you find yourself understand this one simple thought God has always had a plan God is always working the plan and God will always finish the plan if your mom is here today or a mother figure or someone you know that their their children may not be here would you just walk over to them we're just going to pray for them and we're going to be dismissed so would you just make your way get up if you need to you might need to walk a couple of seats or stand up or whatever you need to do Kelly let's get to our moms or the wife of your children the mother would y'all just stand if you're there with if your wife's mom or your mom's here This is very important. This doesn't happen often. I want you to pray over them. You don't have to be loud, but loud enough for them to hear it, okay? I want you to pray over them and bless them as a wife and mother and pray strength over them and encouragement. Would you do that right now?